This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Welcome to Changemaker EDU, a podcast that inspires powerful individual and collective transformation by sharing leadership, personal development, and education change-making ideas and stories to ignite people like you to create the change deep within your soul, embody your calling, and bring your dreams to life. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I share wisdom from my 25 plus years as an education innovator, school founder and CEO, mindset teacher and leadership coach, but also interviewing other diverse paradigm shifters. Join me in our grassroots movement to create lasting impact, one education change maker at a time. All right, Jethro, we just recorded a super fun episode. And so I'd love for you to share with listeners, what do you hope people got out of this you know, 45 minute conversation we just had? Well, my big hope is that people will recognize how to make better decisions because they're tapped into the best part of themselves. That's what I hope people get out of this. And if if you take that perspective through everything that we're talking about, you're I think you're going to be able to start making some sense of when you've made good decisions and how you can make better decisions in the future. Yeah. And I love what you shared about the saboteur and the sage perspective and the sage mind. And I feel like this framework, this way of living your life can completely, we both talk about it completely changes our lives. And you shared some really like concrete, simple stories just from a recent experience in your life. And I hope people really see that they have agency over their lives and they have choice and they can create the change they want to see. And that there are actually like really amazing tools and amazing ways to do this because my dream is that we continue to work together to change education. And I feel like these types of conversations are going to help a lot of people figure out how to do that from that stage perspective. I was super inspired by it. All right. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome everyone. So excited today to have Jethro Jones on the podcast. Jethro, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. I, I don't always get to meet my guests in person, but we actually did meet in person, even though we live thousands of miles away from each other. So that's, that's a good story that we can tell at some point. <laughs> that's right. And I would love just to jump right in and talk to you about this sage versus saboteur and maybe start out by telling us a little bit more about the sage perspective and what that all means. Well, this is so important because the sage perspective is basically this perspective that you have in your mind that no matter what happens, everything can be a gift or an opportunity. So all the bad things that you've gone through in your life can be a gift or an opportunity. Now, that is a really powerful stance to take because it doesn't matter what happens to you or what you experience you can see it as, you can choose to see it as a gift or an opportunity this includes trauma this includes natural disasters this includes death this includes very difficult things that you go through and this perspective is a choice it is not something that you you are forced into doing but that you choose to do rather than just succumb to whatever is around you now i want to Step back just a second. I've done a lot of research and work in training schools on uh, trauma-informed strategies. I've taken three schools from uh, from being not trauma-informed to being trauma-informed. And so I understand 
all the stuff, the research around trauma and how that impacts kids and what happens. But what is even more powerful than being trauma-informed is recognizing that you get to choose how that traumatic thing works in your life. Is it a gift, an opportunity, or is it a curse and a challenge? And you get to decide that. This is incredibly powerful. I read a book a few years ago called The Courage to be Disliked, which I would recommend that everybody check out. Chapter two in that book is called Deny Trauma. <laughs> and mm. what what it is, is it's based on the psychology psychological approach of Alfred Adler, who is a contemporary of Jung and uh, Freud. And rather than being like Jung and Freud, who look backwards to define meaning, Alfred Adler looks forward to define meaning. And there's a totally different uh, perspective and mindset that comes with looking forward as opposed to looking backward. This is amazing. <laughs> I was just like so getting ready that. to keep listening. <laughs> Tell I me could more. go on, but I'll, I'll pause there. For yeah, no, I want to hear more. And honestly, as you were talking, I want to hear about the gift and opportunity. So this, as you keep speaking and tell me more about it, then I'll be able to understand how much of this is similar to what I have been practicing and studying. So I worked with Dr. Shafali Sabari, and then also she's worked closely with Gabor Mate, and they both worked a lot on, you know, she's a psychologist and they've worked on trauma. But I'm really curious about the past versus the forward, because I think this is one of those big questions that comes up around, are you bypassing the past by just being like, oh, I'm going to ignore it. And I'm just going to pretend like everything's okay versus, yeah. so, oh. okay, go. <laughs> okay. This is so great because no, we're not ignoring the past. We're just choosing what meaning we give to the past. And this is supported with modern work by the work of uh, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. No, Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah oh, Winfrey okay. in their book, What Happened to You, which is all about trauma and how oh, we respond to it. Mm -hmm. Now, what they talk about is that there are the three E's of trauma. And I, I, I was not totally planning on getting into this, but uh, let me see if I can pull those up real quick. Okay. Uh, because the the three E's are, are the event, the emotion, and the... The one other one, I don't remember, but the, the thing that they say, and you can, you can go find it in that book and you'll, yeah. you'll see it. But, um, but the things that they say are that everybody experiences these three E's differently when a traumatic thing happens. And the example they give is that if there's a fire in a school, for example, mm -hmm. and it is in a student's classroom, that student who is in the classroom is going to experience it different than the kid who was on the other side of the school and was in no danger right. at all. Yeah. And because we can experience things differently, we understand that we can assign different meaning to them as well. So let me give an example. I had a really difficult thing happen in my life. What actually happened doesn't really matter, but I shared it with my family. And my 13-year-old son came up to me afterward because we've been talking about this for a while. Yeah. And he said, dad, now that you've experienced this thing, have you been able to see how it's been a gift or an opportunity for you yet? Mm. And oh my gosh, like just my son asking that is a gift in and of itself, right? Yes. That's yes. huge for my 13 year old son to even have this idea that that could be the thing that we should, that we should decide to do from that. Uh, that's really powerful to me. So I was really excited to hear that. Now, that's not the only good thing that came from that situation, but it taught me to have empathy for other people. Yeah. Uh, another gift was that the very next day after that bad thing happened to me, I talked with a principal who I was coaching and he had something very similar happen to him. And the gift for me was that I was able to go through that difficult mm. thing so yes. that I could talk to him and have empathy for him and coach him on how to deal with this as well because it was so raw and fresh in my life yeah. as well. Now, uh, I could have taken a different approach and I could have said that was traumatic and I don't want that to ever happen to me again. And what I was able to do is say, you know what? I... 
I don't want this to happen again, but if it does, I will be able to manage and deal with it because it is, it is not the end of the world. And I'm, I'm strong enough that I can handle it and I can handle harder things as well. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the kind of, instead of going to the past, looking forward, because as you're talking about, you know, this idea that if something, you don't want something bad to happen to you again. So a lot of the work that I've been doing and the research I've done around the, you know, the reptilian brain and the nervous system is that you find your subconscious mind is that you find you have a negative experience, whether it's like big T or little T trauma. And then that gets like literally into your body and you're then your nervous system and your brain is literally trying to avoid that forever happening again. And as a result, you don't do anything outside of your comfort zone. For example, bring a broad, drastic, innovative change to the education space. Because you're like, well, last time I asked my principal to like do flexible seating, then all of a sudden I was a laughing stock of the whole school. So that gets embodied or that gets internalized in your body. And then your whole system is set up to make sure you never feel that way again. And then what we typically do is avoid that feeling and work really hard to never ask our principal for like a creative idea again, because, and it could be like seven schools later with different principles and you'll still repeat the same entire pattern until you actually deal with it. And so I'm so curious to hear, you know, through that, through what you worked on and what you learned, you know, how would that play out for, for you? Yeah. So let's take that example. Yeah. What, what was it about asking your principal about flexible seating that made you feel badly about it? It was that you became the laughing stock, right? That everybody yeah. thought, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. Yeah. And so uh, that brings us to the other side of this, uh, which are the saboteurs. And okay. there are 10 saboteurs and we all have them and we all deal with them. The biggest one that everybody has is called the judge saboteur and the judge judges ourselves, our circumstances, and it judges others. And so in that situation of you have this idea, you share it with your principal, they say no, and you make a judgment about that situation and whether or not that was right or wrong or whatever. And you make a judgment about what the principal and the other staff members think about you. Yep. Now, if you want to be a change maker, you have to be able to deal with people judging you all the time. Absolutely. And you have to deal with judging others all the time because they're not doing the change making things that you're trying to do either. Yes. Right? So yes. they're they're in their own little world and they're not they're not getting it and not being able to do it. Um, and so you're very comfortably going to judge them and say, why can't you do this? I mean, this is easy for me. Why can't you, yeah. you know, not do a worksheet for the 50th day in a row? Right. How hard is it to not do that? Right. How hard is it to not have flexible seating and be right. okay with kids not sitting in straight rows? Yeah. Now, the reality is uh, people just are at different levels. And yeah. so when people are at different levels, you judge them because they're not at your level. And that is totally natural. Everybody yeah. does it. And it's just a part of life. Yes. So the the power comes from when you can recognize that uncomfortable feeling of the judge or any of these other saboteurs I'll talk about in a second. And you can see that discomfort and that you can recognize that it's not what you want. And then you can do something to change it so that you're not feeling that discomfort anymore. Now, bad things are going to happen. You're still going to experience discomfort, but what you can do is use that discomfort. And rather than being miserable, you can choose to not be miserable about it. Now, sometimes that's really hard. And I was miserable for about a week dealing with this thing that I experienced. I've been miserable several times and I've chosen every time to be miserable because it felt better to judge my circumstances and have a pity party. than it felt to, to, to make a better choice and just get over it. So when we think about that, looking forward, we think about 
what is my life? What do I want my life to look like? How do I want to show up? And how do I, what kind of person do I want to be when these challenges come into my life? So that's really what the forward looking part of it is. Now I'm combining the work of Shirzad Shamin with positive intelligence, the saboteurs and sages that I'm talking about with the work of Alfred Adler and kind of putting them together into this, this little ball of, of how yeah. it works. Yeah. And I pull in a lot of other people's work as well. But the, the power here is that when you believe that you have a choice, it makes a difference. When you believe that you have no choice and that you just have to go along with whatever's happening, then you feel out of control and feel like somebody else is in control of your life. When the reality is, is that we all are in control of our lives and we all have that power to choose how we're going to react to things and how we're going to deal with things. And the reason why this is so important when it comes to being change makers in education is that if you are dedicated to this idea of the kind of change you want to have, you have incredible power to do amazing things that nobody can stop you from doing. And even if it's not what your district wants or what your school wants, you can still start moving in these directions and make these changes happen, even if everybody is against you. And I want to share just a brief story about this. I became the principal of Kodiak Middle School, and I was there for three years. And in those three years, we had 34 different initiatives that happened, okay? Now, here's why this is so important. I am 100% a change maker, that is for sure. Yes, I want change to happen all the time. And let me tell you, that district and those teachers did not want change to happen. I believe. And they were very resistant to it. But the reason why we had so many initiatives was because I took a different approach where those were not all my ideas. I gave teachers the opportunity to make change in their own classroom. And I said, I'll support you in whatever you want to do. And I'm glad you used the example of flexible seating because I had a math teacher who wanted to have stationary bikes with desks on them. And uh, I was like, okay, that's fine. If you want to do that, that fits into my vision of you, of you making your classroom work for your kids. I'm totally good with that. So if that's what you think you need, then let's get you some of these stationary bikes. And so we did. And so what happened? Other teachers wanted different types of seating as well. We ended up getting for every single classroom, a stationary bike, a standing desk, a regular desk that everybody had already, and a uh, a flexible seating like a ball or something that Mm -hmm. exercise ball that kids could sit on. So every single classroom had four different options for kids to sit in. That was truly astounding and groundbreaking in that district where they had never had anything like that before. But here's the key. That didn't come from me. That was not my initiative. I did have initiatives that I was pushing for change. But when I gave teachers the permission to do their own initiatives, they started moving in that direction. And what was so amazing is that everybody has an idea of how they want to improve their school or their classroom. And if we let them run with those things, then they will have the passion and energy to figure out ways to get it. So this teacher, she, she didn't take stationary bikes out of our school budget. She found a grant and got the grant. And all I had to do was say, yes, you can go ahead and do it. And then it was really easy for me when everybody else was asking for me to just buy those out of the school budget for all the other teachers because they were asking for it and saying, this is what we need to spend our money on. Yes. And I was like, absolutely. Here totally different. Yeah, yeah. Totally different approach. Well, it's uh, so many things. <laughs> so many things. It's different from the approach of the kind of traditional top-down mandates and all that, which is amazing. And so going back to, I love it. I love it on so many levels. I've always wanted to do the stationary bikes. I remember when I started my school in 2010 that we seriously considered it, but it didn't quite, didn't quite get there. But so in terms of this idea of the flexible seating, which I just randomly came up with, but it's, it's, it's a good one, right? Because it's like, it's a small unit of change 
in terms of like one classroom, one teacher, and it can go across the whole school. You know, there's multiple things that could happen as, as a result of one teacher saying, I want to try flexible seating, right? In a, in a district or in an area, in, in an environment where this is like really innovative or different, right? it's like going against the grain, going against the status quo. So I totally agree as a change maker, people can't see something until a lot of people like us show them that this is something that can be done, right? So one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is so that we could help people that have these ideas to work through whatever the inner blocks are to actually create the change on the outside. And I think this example is so good because if you think about it, this idea, so this person, let's say this hypothetical teacher we're talking about, you know, goes to the principal and has all these great ideas. They're really excited. And then they get shut down or they just get a no. And then that triggers something within them. And they go into what I call the victim mentality. Like your point of like, you have a choice, not, I mean, I don't call it that. It's called the victim mentality, but what I like to talk about. And that is literally, I think for education change makers, if they can embrace the simple philosophy of not being a victim. And so in your example, you said that there's ways for them to choose whether they're going to be miserable or going to like, I can't remember exactly how I said, but like move forward or have agency. And I think that the, you know, this example, we, of course we could play around with like multiple directions. It could be like, I go to the principal and then I realize that. So for me, I've done a lot of work on the inner child and how the inner child plays out in your life. And so for my kind of way of thinking about it, it's like, okay, maybe your mom or your dad would say no, whenever you had a creative idea. So you're going to be really shut down when the authority figure tells you no. Right. And then you just give up. Um, so if you could actually just work with that, like, just be aware that, oh, this is something that really affects me, that it's not really about flexible seating, it's so much deeper. And you can just go in there and you can work on that. And then I wanted to ask you this question, though, in terms of this process that you're talking about, are they actually feeling their feelings or are they avoiding their feelings? That was oh. one like key question I wanted to ask you. Yes. So, so good. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So you you mentioned uh, two different uh, saboteurs. So Shirzad Shamin uh, out of Stanford did this uh, factor analysis study. And what a factor analysis study basically is, it's equivalent to, you know how there are millions and millions of colors in the world and they all come down to these three colors of yeah. red, yellow, and blue? That is the same thing with uh, the millions and millions of emotions and stress and negative things that you can have in your life. They all come down to these 10 saboteurs of which the judge is the main one. And then the accomplice saboteurs, two of which are victim and avoider that you already, that you already mentioned. So what happens with these nine accomplice saboteurs is they, we all have them. And they all operate in different ways within us. And what happens is when things don't go our way or when things are challenging, it's usually one of these saboteurs that is having a hand in our judgment of that situation and making us feel like, oh, we can't do this anymore. So, you know, playing the victim is, is one of those. And the victim says, you know, I can't do anything right. Everything goes against me. Um, I met a woman the other day and she said, you know, uh, it is, uh, and then she used her name instead of Murphy's law, it's her name law. And <laughs> like anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yes. I mean, a total victim mentality yeah. and it, that does not serve you well. And what happens with these saboteurs is that they motivate you through negative emotions. Oh, yeah. So fear, stress, anger, guilt, shame, insecurity, all these negative emotions that we have. And what happens with the sage when you're in the sage mind is that it motivates you through positive emotions like empathy, curiosity, creativity, passion, and purpose, those things. And what I was saying before is when when you are able to operate from that sage perspective, then you're motivated by these emotions. And when you feel these emotions, then you're able to do some amazing, great things. The saboteurs lie to you and they say, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm making you feel like a victim so that you can put the blame on somebody else and make it their problem that you're not getting what you deserve. You you make it their issue 
that you're not achieving what you are, that you're not making the change that you feel like you should be making because it's easier and safer for you to blame it on them than to take Mm -hmm. responsibility for you to push through and make that change, even if you're getting resistance, which is exactly what happens. We have this horrible tendency in education that whenever somebody gets a little bit above the rest of the crew, we chop them down so that they're back at the same level as everybody else. And that is unfortunate, but that's what happens. And if you keep getting chopped down to the same level as everybody else, you eventually will say, I'm just going to stay down here and I'm not going to go out and try to make change anymore. But if you are in your sage mind and you're uh, being motivated through these positive emotions of curiosity and trying to understand why people aren't with it, creativity, passion, and purpose, then you can continue pushing through those things. And even when bad things happen, here's the deal, David, I got pushed out of every single school that I was principal at. That stinks, man. That doesn't feel good, but people didn't like it. And so I could have taken that difficult situation and said, I just shouldn't be in education anymore. And I should totally leave. Instead, I'm saying, no, I'm going to change what I'm doing and I'm going to find the people who want to work with me and I'm going to spend my time working with and supporting them and helping them navigate this path and figure out how to be change makers themselves so that they can have the success that they're looking for. Absolutely. No. And as you're talking, I, one of my favorite books is called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And in the I want to say the first one, I can't remember all the number, the exact order, but one of, I think the first one or the first two or three is that everything happens for you and not to you. So they really ask you, like, they actually say, if you're going to, if you want to get anything out of this book and you don't believe that, then just stop reading. Basically, it's like, you have to believe. So to your point about gift or opportunity, you have to believe that everything's happening for you. So your example of being a principal and trying to bring in, I'm sure, like really visionary change initiatives and doing great things for kids, just from what I know about you, the system wasn't ready for you. But again, it's happening for you because you're probably much more effective doing what you're doing now than being in an entrenched system where you don't get to be creative and you know, you're always working the politics. So everything's happening for you and everything's a lesson. And yeah. the piece that I wanted to really point out, the other thing in 15 commitments is they talk about the fact that, um, you know, I, emotional intelligence talks about there's four dominant emotions. It's happy, sad, mad, scared, right? It's everything people will sometimes argue like, ah, oh, there's some other ones, but most people will agree 95% of emotions will fit under the, those four kind of main categories. And what they talk about and what a lot of my teachers that I follow talk about is that we cannot bypass the emotions. We have to actually like go in and feel the emotions. And what 15 Commitments talks about is it takes 90 seconds to actually feel and pass an emotion. And they have this great story where, you know, they're facilitating a board meeting and it's like this high level company, you know, millions of dollars at stake. And it's a bunch of the, like old guys and the author of the book basically says like he could tell the energy had shifted and that they were, they were really in like this negative kind of loop. And so he's like, everybody get up right now and start moving around and like banging your chest and just being like grunting just for like 90 seconds. And because he knows that if you can move the emotion in 90, you can move this emotion in 90 seconds when you start to feel it. So they were in fear. He pointed it out to them, told them to walk around banging their chest. And after a minute and a half, the whole entire meeting had changed because they had recognized that they were in this feeling of fear. So um, that's what I was trying to curious about because I I think there's like this subtle line between toxic positivity, which is the way I grew up. Like my dad always said, everything's going to be great. And it pretty much was right. Like, oh, we don't, we can't pay the rent tomorrow. Okay. It's going to be fine. It's like, okay, well, we didn't eat very well for a week, but we eventually, we were never homeless. right? So you could say everything was fine, but he lived in the toxic positivity. Like I'm just going to be living in a world of like dream and never face the reality versus like going all the way to the other extreme of just being, you know, the woman who says it's not Murphy's thoughts, you know, and then you're creating that reality or like, oh, everything bad happens to me. It's like, great. So now the universe is going to give you everything bad. So um, yeah, I'm saying a lot of things, but do you know what I'm getting at with like the feelings piece? <laughs> yes. Yes. So let me, let me address that real quick. Um, the, the saboteurs could lead you to success. And for most of your life, they probably have gotten you to success. So for example, yes. one of my highest, highest saboteurs 
is the hyperachiever saboteur. Yes. I get a lot of stuff done. I've got an amazing podcast. I've got, I've won national recognition as a principal and it led those hyperachiever feelings and emotions led me to success, Yes, but they did not generate my highest success, me being the best I possibly could be, nor did they generate sustained happiness because as soon as I won that national award, I was like, okay, what's next? Yep. What, what else do I have to do? That is not a good way to live. And that's what the hyperachiever saboteur does is it tells you you're not, you're only as good as what have you done for me lately? And so getting into the sage perspective uh, and using your sage mind helps you generate the highest level of success and helps you sustain happiness over the long term. So the the thumping of the chest, one of the ways that you, well, before I get there, you yeah. need to recognize when these saboteurs are coming in and, yes. and attacking you. And you need to recognize that you're feeling that fear or that yeah. uh, something is preventing you. And it's like putting your hand on a hot stove. Like some people say you need to yeah. like sit in your negative emotions. Well, sitting in your negative emotions doesn't really help all that much. Uh, what helps is identifying them and and then making a change. And so putting your hand on a hot stove, is it wise to sit there with your hand on the hot stove when you know that it's doing you harm? Of course, it's not a good idea, right? We know that. And we would never tell anybody to do that. And so you take your hand off the stove. And the way that you take your hand off the stove with these saboteurs is that you do what are called PQ reps to help you figure out how to get back into your sage brain. Okay. So for example, when you're having, you know, like you said, they're thumping their chest. That is a good example of something that draws attention to a different sense to help you uh, align sure. with yeah. your higher level brain and yeah. start making some better decisions. Now, another thing from the book, what happened to you that they, that they talk about is that you, all your decisions have to go through your brain from the brainstem up. And the brainstem, which is where you make all of your instinctual decisions, like yeah. if you have a, a bad feeling about something, it's going to be really hard to do that thing. So you need to process through that and get into your higher brain so that you can make these better choices. And that's exactly what you do. So a couple of PQ reps that people can do right now is one of them is rubbing your fingers together with such attention that you okay. can feel the individual ridges on your fingerprints on each finger. Now, that's a really simple thing to do, but yeah. you'd be amazed at what it does. One of the one of the principals that I was coaching recently using this, she said, I feel like I'm rubbing my fingertips together all day long. <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing is, is, it only takes a few seconds of doing that to get yourself focused on that sense to see how you can improve. And and there are a lot of different things that you can do. You can focus on your breathing. You can take deep breaths. You can focus on your feet as you're walking. And the real difference between this PQ training and what a lot of other things like meditation do is when you do meditation, you need to be in the right environment. You need to have things set up and you have to be all prepared. With this, the idea is that you really change your habits. And as soon as you feel your hand on the stove or you feel a saboteur coming after you, you recognize it and you do PQ reps to help you get your mind to the right place so that you can make a better decision and move forward in a way that is most beneficial to you using your sage mind or your higher brain or right. whatever other that your spiritual guidance, whatever other discussion you want to have, whatever yeah. that thing is that connects you with your true purpose and your true passion, your true potential for who you are is incredibly powerful. And that's what you want to be tapping into. That's what you want to use to make decisions rather yeah. than the fear, stress that these saboteurs make you feel. No, this is amazing. And this is actually everything that I teach, just yeah. using different <laughs> words. And, you know, I, I told you I had a problem a program for two years during COVID that my friend and I in Chicago did. And we we stopped doing it because we just kind of both went in different directions and, you know, things changed. But it was very similar. And, you know, we use different language and different like terms, but it's basically the same idea. So what we teach is, you know, because I'm kind of Buddhist, my dad's a Buddhist. It's like what you're calling the sage mind, I would call the witness observer, right? It's like getting into that higher state of mind. And then even when you said, you know, the PQ reps, um, 
so I always teach like meditation doesn't have to be the right environment, perfect setting with the fountain flowing and the pillow and the cushion. It's literally practicing. How do you build awareness? So like when you were saying that the different reps and the finger rubbing, we have, we had this thing, you know, 44 different awareness strategies you could use throughout your day. Like take a deep breath, stare out the window, like look at a kid, a picture of your kid, like these different things you can do to like raise your awareness. But it's basically what you're saying. It's like, get into this, what you're calling the sage mind. We would say like, get into the witness observer mind. And then to your point around whatever your spiritual kind of practices, or if you have one, then it's like, you're really connecting with believing in something much bigger than yourself. And then if you can, if you can like merge all these together, this is when amazing things happen. And when you said that, you know, you were, and what I noticed what happened to me is that when I started being aware of this and using the strategies to shift it, that I would get triggered or upset or something would go wrong. And what used to take me maybe like a week or a month to get to work through, it just kept shortening and shortening and shortening. And so you said, you know, you're miserable for a week. I think it's like, for me at this point, most things can only create misery for me <laughs> for like 24 hours. Now, I don't want to jinx myself because of course there could be really bad things that happen and I could be not doing well for a long time. But in terms of the daily life activities and like my normal triggers and working with people and different things, it's like, I can recognize the saboteur as you're calling it and shift that energy pretty quickly and then use all my strategies and all my techniques to like move it very quickly. And, and, but like you said, the most important thing is, is knowing that you have a choice and you have the power. And so going back to our principle saying no to your flexible seating, there are like 752 things you can do after you get that note, as you know, very well, so many things yes. you can do. And so why I want this pot, why I wanted to do this podcast is so that if you're listening and you're one of those people that gets 5,000 no's from the district office and the principal or, or your supervisors, because they're working in a bureaucratic structure, that's all about keeping things safe and, and, you know, fear. And then the teachers have to work around that instead of, you know, like achieve things in spite of it, not because of it there are ways you can actually work on yourself to where you can just clear up the issue about like, Oh, the principal said no. And you're like, great. Now I'm going to see if I can like go work with a union person, or I'm going to go now find four teachers in the you know fifth grade level that all want to do it. And we're just going to try this and we're going to try that. I mean, there's so many things you can do once you, yes. once you get into that sage mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what the power is, is that being in the sage mind enables you to come up with ideas, find creative solutions and the saboteur mind will tell you, oh, if you do that again, you're going to get in trouble. You could lose your job. Yes. And it's like, oh my gosh, do you know how hard it is to lose your job in education? Come exactly. on. It is it is so <laughs> difficult. And nobody wants to go through that much work, truly. Yeah. And, sure. and that is not going to happen. But that is something that educators specifically have a very strong fear of. And yeah. The saboteur that that is over that part of our brains is uh, what I would call the hypervigilant, who's always afraid of the worst case scenario and what could possibly go wrong, and always on the lookout for that happening. And when when those things come up, it's really easy for you to feel like, oh, I just can't do this. There's just no way. And the reality is, you can totally do it. And if you if you work on yourself just a little bit, and and this is what my my coaching practice with principals is all about, is helping them figure out how to make these changes and and do things better when you're dealing with this. Now, I do want to say briefly, you talked about the the other names for it, and yeah. so uh, we come from a Christian background, and so I when I talk with my kids about this, I say yeah. uh, your sage mind is you listening to the Holy Ghost. Because yep. that's how we talk about it. And and the amazing thing is, is that uh, this, this approach respects whatever your yes. faith and belief is, which yeah. I believe is how it should be, that we all have yeah. different ways of looking at the world and we should use something that helps us regardless of, of how we look at the world. And if yeah. you're not into having any kind of faith at all, that's okay too, because the science is there to say... Here's how it works. Here's how your brain responds. Here's how you change your neurons to make it so that when you're rubbing your fingers together, it yep. is a signal to your brain that you're creating a new pathway yep. for when you feel this thing. And that's what we're all about. I mean, 
that's what's so amazing to me is that you have so much control and power that we just don't tap into because we let these saboteurs take over our lives when they don't really need to. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and you know, what I was thinking about is it can feel like this is like self-help or pop psychology, but, and I know sometimes educators are like, we don't have time for that. Like what's the research. And and I know you have, you have probably tons of research backing up the, the work you're talking about, but there's like this resistance to it. Cause it's like, well, this just sounds like one of those self-help books, you know? And what I can say with like hundred percent certainty is that this can absolutely change your life. What you just described again, I, I haven't read the same stuff you've read, but it's all kind of like crossing over. Yeah. It, it actually, because you can really take charge of your life. And I'm glad that you're coaching principals because we know principals are so critical to this, this, the success of the school. It's like great teachers and a great leader, right? And that's, we've seen the research and that's how schools become amazing. And so to have these tools, you know, we think it's like leadership, like how do you do strategic planning and what's your goal setting process and all that, which is obviously very important. All the tactical stuff is you got to have good tactics and all that's super important. But if you're not actually dealing with what I call the inner landscape or the internal issues. You're literally, and this is why I love that book that I talked about, 15 Commitments, because you're literally blocking yourself and letting the saboteurs run your leadership show. And you're just not as effective as you could be. Yeah. The amazing thing is, is, um, is when I look back at my career, I saw how I was totally ruled by the saboteurs and I didn't even know it. Yep. And uh, I was totally ruled by these fears and this anxiety. And what I've learned is that lasting positive change, if we really want to make the change that we need to, is a very small part of it is the insight and the ideas that we have. And the much bigger part of it is our mental muscle yes. and how we deal with it. Absolutely. Because if you if you ever want to make any kind of change, change is not easy. And yeah. it is difficult no matter what it is. You have to get people on board. You have to have a vision. You have to explain it to people. But that mental muscle of coming back again and again to your why, your purpose, the the empathy you have for other people who aren't there yet, yeah. all of that matters so much. And if you can train your brain to get strong in that mental muscle, it makes everything else so much easier. And you were talking about being miserable for 24 hours. Man, oh, yeah. I... We were supposed to record this podcast on Tuesday and yeah. I had to change it because I just felt this overwhelming amount of stress. And I was like, I just can't add this to my plate today. Absolutely. I'm going to be in a good mental space to do it. And as soon as I, uh, I, I, I did some PQ reps, I got my sage brain. I said, what do I need to prioritize today? The podcast was not the thing I needed to prioritize. Yeah. And so I moved it to another day. And here's the beautiful thing about it, David. Once I made that decision and I acted in my sage brain, I had the power and the energy to get out of my slump and to help remove the stress and overcome the challenges that I was facing. If I made that decision because I was afraid and I was fearful of what I had to get done and I was afraid of breaking my commitment to you and changing it the morning of, then I wouldn't have been able to do that. And like I... I, this has become a habit. So I did not process through this as much as I probably should have, but that is exactly the process that I went through rather than saying, I'm stressed. I need to get something off my plate. I said, I'm feeling stressed. That is not a feeling that I like right now. What do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? And what do I need to prioritize so that I can live my best life possible and find success? Here's my list of things to do today. This podcast is not part of that priority. Let me move it to a different day. And now I feel so, I felt so much better right away because I was acting not out of fear and stress, but that fear and stress triggered me to get into a better place. And then I made decisions in the better place. I cannot stress that enough how important that is. No, it's absolutely important. And so I'm so glad you shared that process because I think when we can like uncover the process and share and I told you, I was like, oh, it actually really worked out great because my kids went back to school today. So it wasn't as stressful to like maneuver the kids and the wife and all the different places so that there's not dogs and kids barking. And she'll say, we have a quiet house. So it worked out perfectly. But I think that that example is so great. And I feel like if people could really hear that, you know, you, you've talked about how you're retraining your brain. So you don't even have to like 
go meta or, you know, it just happens now. You don't have to be like, well, this is how I do this. And cause you've implemented a new habit and you don't even think about it. It's just become, you know, the power of habits. And I was also going to share that I just scheduled a bunch of guests that are like school founders and some like real visionary education change makers. And I guarantee you, they're going to be like, oh, do you understand what I had to go through to get this school open, to get it to stay around, to open multiple schools? You know, I have like the founder of One Stone coming, who's like this really innovative, totally different school, right? Yeah. She said she'll come on. And it's like, I guarantee you that people weren't like, oh, you're going to have a school where the kids run the school and they're on the board and it's going to look like a big, you know, like open creative space. That sounds like a great idea. I bet you 97% of the people said like, you're crazy. That's never going to work. Why would you even want to do this? So I do think this, like you said, building this mental muscle as leaders and the leadership choice to say, I'm not going on the podcast. That's a really strong leadership choice that freed you to say like, I know what I need and I'm in my sage mind. And so now I'm clear I'm not going to go and, you know, bumble my way through a podcast because of social pressure when I could just reschedule. And now everyone's got a better content, you know, everyone's doing better. And so when you can really flex that muscle and understand it and embed it and to become, make it an internalized part of your process, then my like whole mission for this podcast is that we get so many people doing that. And then we see all the change that people want to create because they have the tools to actually create it. And one stone is not just like one school that we know that we love, but it's like, there's many schools like that because now everyone's like, Oh, I could actually do this. Like I have the mental, you know, muscles. I, as you, the word you use, I like that. I have the tools, I have the community and I'm going to like overcome this fear of change. Like you said, because change is really, really hard and it scares us all to death and we like our safety and our comfort. And so without these tools, we're just kind of going against the grain forever and education is going to look the same. Yeah. So I've tried to start three different schools uh, in three different states uh, over the last 15 years. Yeah. And all three of them have failed early on. And now I know exactly why. Because I was operating in my saboteur brain uh, and I was not operating in my sage brain. And while initially like the thing that moved me in that direction was my sage brain. Once the trials and difficulties started happening, then I bailed and I got afraid and I could not follow through. That is embarrassing for me to admit because I see myself as a change maker hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and so that is difficult for me that when the challenges came, then I let them control me and wasn't able to follow through on the things that I wanted to do. And I've blamed other people for those failures when really I'm the only one to blame. And so now I'm looking at it from this different perspective and I'm saying, you know what? I'm not going to try starting another school until I can do it all from a sage perspective. Yes. Because once once I can, I'm going to have amazing success with it. I'm 100% positive that I will. But... Until I'm ready to do that, it's not even worth bringing up or discussing, but that is still one of my dreams. And eventually I think I'll get there, but I'm not, I'm not in a hurry at this point because when the time is right, I will know it and I will feel it and I will understand it because I've been working on flexing that muscle. And the, the thing about this canceling the podcast and rescheduling it with you is that I know that it was a muscle reaction and not me reacting normally. Right. Because the muscle, I didn't even process through it all the way to say, I'm choosing to do this because I got into a sage brain and then I made a decision that is huge. And it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it's very cool. And I love what you said about waiting until you're fully in the sage mind perspective to start a school, because that's one of my biggest pieces that I recommend is like, whatever you're launching, whatever your change maker dream is, it has to come from like the depths of your heart and your soul, which a real simple way in your language is like get into the sage perspective. And then, you know, like when I started my school, it was like every single meeting I had, whether it was a parent or a funder or potential board member, they all said, what's your backup plan? Because nine out of 10 schools, like when I worked with um, my original funder, they fund new schools and they're like, mm, three out of 10 will make it, right? So they're literally like, what are you, what's your backup? And I was like, there's not a backup plan. There's not one. Because it was coming from like my sage perspective. It was coming from this calling that I felt like I had no choice but to follow through and to get it done. And, you know, and so 
when you're coming from that energy, it things are going to be amazing. And, and if we have so many more change makers like you and me in the space doing these things from the Sage perspective, it's going to be a really awesome education space. Yeah. And and David, here's the thing. When you're in that mind, you attract other people to you and they see it. And what yeah. I know I was doing is I was repelling people because exactly. I was acting out of so much fear and stress and anxiety. And man, that is not the right way to do it. It just doesn't work. It can't work. And yeah. like when I'm in the sage mind and I'm doing anything, people want to be around me. Last story that I'll share, because I know we're at time here, but yeah. one of the principals that I was working with, she said, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jethro, but since I've been doing this positive intelligence stuff, uh, people are nicer to me and people are talking to me more. And like, I rode an Uber for an hour the other day and I talked the whole time with the Uber driver and I've never done that before. I usually am just on my phone and not paying any attention. And let me tell you, like when you're in a sage mind, people are attracted to it. They see it, they feel it, and they want to be part of it because your emotions and your brain waves, they do impact others. And it is, it is powerful. A hundred percent agree. And I've had the exact same experience of my whole life has changed. I'm like making all these friends everywhere. And the way we got connected, I think is because when I reached out to you, I was in the sage perspective and then we got connected. And then the funny part of the story that I kind of teased to at the beginning um, is that we, you ended up being in Sacramento to see your brother who lives a mile from me and you're in, where are you, Washington? Spokane. Yep. Spokane, Washington. So it was just like, we're on the phone and you're like, I'll actually be there next week. I'm like, great, let's meet in person. So it's like things just start aligning. It's super fun. All right, Jethro, let us know. I know you have the transformative principle. I know you have podcast network, all these different things. Just let us know a little bit about that, where we can find you, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. Related to what we're talking about, jethrojones.com slash coach. That's the best place to go. That's jethrojones.com slash coach. Awesome. So they can find everything there. Yep. That'll be linked. Everything else will be linked out from there. You'll be able to find it, but that's, that's all about the sage and saboteur perspectives and, and that'll be the best place to go. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. Amazing conversation. I knew it would be. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Jethro. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker EDU podcast. Every guest and listener is a valued part of this co-creation. We're honored that you listen and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement. And without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, go to davidkrichards.com. And as always, if you're so moved, please rate and review the podcast. And finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. Sending you immense love and courage today. Thank you. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B E.